Welcome to the Coach and Doc podcast, hosted by Coach Chris Cutcliffe and Dr. Hunter Taylor. Our mission is to bring you insight from the best of the best in the coaching profession. If you'd like to learn more about the work we do at Coach and Doc, please visit our website, www.coachanddoc.com. Thank you so much for joining us on the Coach and Doc podcast. Our next guest is going to be a lot of fun for me. It's my brother, Marcus Hilliard. Marcus is the Senior Associate Director of Athletics at Austin Peay State University. Marcus will be entering his third year at Austin Peay. His previous stops include the University of Central Florida and Duke University. Marcus attended undergrad at the University of Tennessee, and he earned his Master's in Sports Management from North Carolina State University. Marcus is also a graduate of Oxford High School in Oxford, Mississippi, and he still has a crooked pinky on his hand due to a wobbly spiral that some quarterback threw him one time in practice. So, Marcus, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. <laughs> this is going to definitely be a lot of fun. Um, you know, so you have, I mean, so much interesting experience in athletic administration. You've been at the power five level, group of five, you might say power six uh, level. Uh, That's right. And the FCS level. Um, so could you talk to us just a little bit about the differences you've seen at those stops and those levels along the way? Sure, sure. Uh, I will say, you know, Getting my cutting my teeth at Duke University was an awesome experience. Uh, climbing the ladder there, uh, being that Duke is at the highest level, and uh, myself just being on the external side, so I had a unique opportunity to see everything from ticket operations, development, fundraising, marketing, and then obviously in administration as you see it from a fifty thousand foot view. So it was really cool. And Duke being a private institution, so you can you know operate a little bit differently uh, than you would at a state institution. Um, the tobacco road rivalry was really cool with UNC, but I enjoyed it. I spent the majority of my career there. Um, then uh, shortly after that, having a really cool uh, chance to go to UCF and be in Orlando. Wow, that was really amazing. Orlando was a really cool place, uh, a growing institution, very young institution. The, uh, the fan base was around our age and a little bit younger. So that was a little bit different than your older, more uh, traditional uh, donor base and fan base at, at Duke. But um, the, the, the opportunity and, and, and all the great uh, weather uh, that we experienced in Orlando was a, a really cool uh, time there. And, and transitioning to my current role here at Austin P, where there honestly are a little, uh, some similarities uh, when you look at it. Now, obviously, we're an FCS institution, so the main difference is the budgets between all the three places and the uh, resources. But uh, here at you know, Austin P, you know, we're the fastest growing uh, public institution in the state of Tennessee. And then also, um, and Carswell is one of the fastest growing cities in the state of Tennessee. So, uh, you know, similar to UCF and, and Orlando was always booming and, and, and the institution was on the up, upswing. Uh, we're kind of realizing the same uh, here at Austin P. But uh, the difference is, you know, obviously between the resources, that was a major one. Um, but uh, you had to be creative and uh, how you executed and got different things done at, both at UCF and, and most importantly here at Austin P. Uh, but I will say the uh, similarities between all three stops were the people. I had an opportunity to work with some amazing people at Duke, some amazing people at UCF, and currently here at Austin P. And I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world. Great answers. Marcus, I'm looking forward to getting a chance to talk to you just because I want somebody <laughs> that's a truth teller about Chris Cutcliffe. Because, you know, I, I can't careful. find that many. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But uh, – First thing, just kind of building off of the last question, you've had these great experiences, platforms, learned under these great people, and now you're experiencing probably one of the greatest leadership tests anybody can experience. Like this is the biggest, 
I don't think there's been anything like this in sports before going through a pandemic. So I wanted to see if you could just talk about what your current experience as an administrator has been like during the pandemic. And then like what's come out of it? Like what are some effective practices that Austin P has put in place uh, that's worked? It's maintained relationships with student athletes, like some silver linings that have come out of this. Sure. Um, you know, obviously with the coronavirus, uh, it, it's been very uncomfortable and very challenging for, I think, all of us, and particularly uh, myself as an athletics administrator, because we're so responsible for, you know, about 350 student athletes here. But uh, one of the key takeaways I can probably say is I've, I've honestly learned to expect the unexpected. Um, it's just a, a, a different time, you know, with, with how we're navigating through a lot of different things. And, you know, going back to when it first hit, you know, our, our baseball and softball teams were uh, getting ready to uh, go into conference play. And, and we had to obviously abruptly end those seasons and track, outdoor track was just getting started. So we had to learn how to navigate with uh, some senior student athletes that lost a lot of their senior years and uh, try to, you know, obviously console them and make sure that they were good, but also try to, you know, be there for them during that time. And then the wave hits. And then, you know, as, as, a, as an employee myself, you know, kind of struggle with it because I'm around student athletes on a regular basis. That's the, my favorite part of the job is just being around student athletes. And then you go into work from home mode. So you're not getting to see them and be around them and feel them and touch them as much as you used to. So that was a challenge within itself. But uh, one of the key things, and, and our athletic director did a really good job of setting the tone from the very beginning, was just making sure that everybody remained together. And he said, we're going to make sure that we're in this thing together. Uh, we're going to lean on one another because nobody has the answers. And he was very transparent throughout the whole process. If he was having meetings with uh, the president on the senior leadership team, with the Ohio Valley Conference, because we're, you know, obviously going to have to make some changes to some rules going into this year year and everything he was transparent up front but he said look we're going to get through this thing and we're going to get through it together so that did help but as we're starting to kind of uh realize this new norm it, it has been a challenge but one of the most encouraging things we did was uh we all hopped on calls with our student athletes and just let them know that we're here for them uh during this time you know there was uh, it was hard for them because some of them had been away. If you're looking at a junior, you're looking at a senior student athlete, they've been away from their parents, you know, for the last two years. So they're so used to being in our care or being with us or being away from home. And as you can imagine, going back and living under mom and pop's place, you know, after you've kind of been on your own, it's a little bit of a challenge. So uh, there was and still are some, some mental health challenges with that, you know. Um, some of the, 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 the strain, strain that it puts on families to be able to, you know, provide for those students and student athletes, you know, when they're gone, you know, you think about it, that's one less or two less mouths that you had to feed. Well, now all of a sudden you got to, you know, feed those student athletes again. And I don't think, you know, people really thought about that and how much wear, you know, strain it puts on families. And so we just stay in communication. We encourage our coaches to be with them the entire time. And if there was any issues or any challenges so that they can see us, they can feel us, you know, still let us know like, hey, look, it's not a good time right now, but I promise you we're going to get through this together. So the main thing was just making sure that we, we remained in communication and constant communication and, and, and let them know that we were there for them and we were going to get through this together. So, you know, one of the probably most important things you're going to do, uh, you know, as, a, as an athletic department is, is hire your coaches. And you've had a pretty cool opportunity to be a part, uh, to play a big role in several high-profile high head coaching hires in multiple sports um, so far in your career. So can you talk a little bit about just the hiring process with head coaches and what traits you're looking for in a head coach? 
Sure. Uh, you know, the hiring process is very fluid and it's flexible for the most part. It just kind of depends uh, on what strategy you take. You know, uh, at UCF, you know, obviously we utilized uh, search firms um, more so than anything. Obviously, uh, those guys, you know, had their agents and representatives. And if we had an opportunity or opening, they would obviously uh, notify us of their interest. And then we would do our homework. And luckily for uh, myself and obviously our athletic director at the time, Danny White's really connected in the business. And so, you know, um, it's important for you to know a lot of people so that you can, you know, that helps you out with the research process. The search firms were definitely a part. I had the benefit of uh, being here at Austin P where we went through some searches here uh, where we didn't have access to a, uh, or not didn't, we chose, simply chose to not use search firms. And so that was more, uh, more the lifting, the heavy lifting, I should say, um, on our part. But it was a really cool experience because then you got to, you know, talk to people and really learn uh, what they were interested uh, in the opportunity and was it for all the right reasons. Um, so again, it just depends where you are and the processes can be different. Uh, as far as characteristics or traits in coaches, you know, we got to first and foremost make sure that the coaches are in alignment with our mission and our vision and our values of our institution, right? Because if you don't have that, then no matter uh, how successful the person has been, it's just not going to work out. There's going to be cracks along the way and it's not going to be good. But uh, once we identify the person that they have high integrity, their morals and character, they're all the way up in there. You know, we make sure obviously there's a uh, competitive success component to it as well. You know, we want to win. So we want to hire a winner. But again, at the end of the day, it all comes up to student athlete development because at, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that our coaches really care about our kids because regardless of wins or losses, we're going to be there to develop them. And we're going to make sure that once they leave Austin P or whether it was at UCF, that when they got their degree, they became contributing members to society and that they were going to be with us for the long haul. So, uh, you know, again, at the end of the day, they have to line up with what we have, what we set from a vision standpoint. That's obviously academic success, that's competitive success, but then also most importantly, how are you developing your student athletes for life after the sport? I'm adding something. So preference, if you're the AD, would you rather go through a search firm or you do the heavy lifting? You know, um, you're asking me preference. I would say search firm. Uh, and the only reason why I would say that is because uh, I feel like you get a, a, a probably a more deeper pool because the search firms can, uh, they have an opportunity where they can keep stuff very, very under wraps. You know, uh, when people reach out to them, uh, here at Austin Peay, we're a state school. So if someone applies for a job, you know, information, they can get that because it's for you. Gotcha. It can be, gotcha. it can be public. So you may have someone at, at their current job and they don't, you know, they're maybe interested in an opportunity, but they don't want someone to know that they're out looking, you know, because it's not a good look. Search firms do a really good job. And I mean, they are extensive. They do the social media scrubs, like I like to say. They do that and find they find up dirt for you. So when you hire somebody, you go through that process with a search firm you know exactly who you're getting because they do all of the heavy lifting for you. So it's very much worth the value. Um, and then just, we just don't have the time for it. You know, you're, if you're an AD, I'm, I'm an AD sitting in the chair. I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm not going to have time to call the guys references, call, you know, we call personal references and ask them really who you are, but they do all of that. And, and, and obviously lean on network uh, connections as well. Um, so yeah, I'll probably say search firm for sure. Cool. Marcus, if you would talk about uh, Kevin White, what you've learned from him as a mentor. Absolutely. Kevin White is the GOAT. And, 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 I, and I'll say that, and it is not lip service. Um, Kevin is a, if you, if you can put together everything, all the characteristics and traits of a great leader, 
it's Kevin White. You know, he cares about everyone. And it's not just people at the high level or people that, you know, sit in a room with him that he leans on his top lieutenants. It's all the way down to that intern that's not really making any money that's going and getting the donuts. I mean, he really cares about them. And most importantly, he cares about people's development. I mean, he will, you know, talk to, he wants to know who your father, your siblings are. He wants, if you're married, he wants to know your spouse information and, and your birthdays. I mean, that was one of the most unique things ever, you know, working at Duke, you know, to get a happy birthday email, a happy birthday text message from the athletic director. I mean, you think about that. He has so much on his plate going on, but he always was, you know, he would never forget that, you know, hey, is this person a special day? So I'm gonna make sure that they at least get a message from me. Uh, but Kevin was never too big for anything. You know, if we were doing something, going and picking up trash outside of the building, you know, Kevin made sure that he had a, his face out there. And it wasn't just political, hey, I'm waving and y'all see me. You no, know, Kevin was out there with us, you know. And so to me, that really meant a lot. And it, it showed me kind of the type of leader that I want to be. And obviously, uh, with my father being a great leader in my eyes or in our eyes, I should say. Um, but Kevin White, I mean, his network connections, I mean, industry, he's an industry leader, um, obviously, um, but but he is just overall a great person, and he shows me how to, how to really be a true leader. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Dr. White uh, always amazes me. Uh, when we win a big game, you know, a, a big district game or a playoff game or something like that, it never fails that I'm going to have a text from Dr. White, um, you know, congratulations, and, and he's kept up with it. Uh, you know, and, and knows what's going on with us. And, and you're right, somebody that, that genuinely does care about other people. Um, such a great quality. So, hey, all right, million-dollar question. Everybody's wondering right now. We'll put you on the spot. What, what's going to happen with fall sports this fall? Yeah, I knew that was coming. I could feel that one. Uh, you know, honestly, I, we're going to have sports this fall. Um, now, when I say that, and I also want to make sure that I let everyone know that there's going to be some changes to it, right? Because I think as long as coronavirus is still an issue, it's a challenge for everyone, the cases are still where they are from an increasing standpoint. And until we get a vaccine, I, we're still going to have to be really careful. So, you know, even for us, you know, we have basically, we become, I call us Austin P State Planning University because we have had multiple, we have had to create multiple different plans for different scenarios and different situations. So we have a plan for if there's no issues and it's all steam, full steam ahead and all systems go, great. It was, you know, kind of the, the best case scenario. We got a reduction plan, you know, from a capacity standpoint for all of our different venues and different sporting events. And then we got a plan for if there's absolutely no fans in the stands and it is all 100% essential workers, you know, workers that are just needed to get the game in and get the game done. So, uh, you know, I, I think we will have it. And like I said, it just depends on where cases are. And we're going to make sure we're practicing social distancing, requiring people to wear face masks, um, you know, tailgating, we, we had a huge debate about that uh, most recently in one of our staff meetings. And, you know, that, that, that tailgating is the complete opposite of social distancing, right? You, you're packing in everybody, you're grabbing, a, uh, grabbing an adult beverage and grabbing a hot dog and you're watching other games and stuff like that. Well, how do you practice six feet? You know, how do you really stand next to your buddy that you're getting ready to cheer on in the stands and you have a face mask on, you know, uh, you know, so and specifically for people in the South, you know, we don't like that. We like to high five and shake hands. Well, that's kind of going to have to be out, but we're going to have, you know, sanitizer, hand sanitizer stations kind of put out all over the place. But anyway, I, I think it is important for us to be uh, diligent in what we do. Um, and make sure that uh, when we do allow uh, sports to come back, we're doing it the safest way possible. But I do think uh, they will have it this fall. Just won't be what it normally is. 
It'd be so different. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to imagine. All right, switching gears. We need a funny story about cut. Man. So something oh, that man. none of our listeners would know. We need uh, we need a good one. Now, look, I got a, I got a bunch of them now, uh, but it's funny. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite stories, and I can't even say it's just about it's about cut because it's including me as well. So we were uh, younger, and, and obviously, you know, in our younger days, we were a little bit mischievous, and so we like to have a little fun. So uh, we had a, a classmate of ours that lived around us in the same neighborhood. As in, so we thought, you know, it'd be cool to go and you know get some toilet paper and roll our house and roll the trees and stuff, right? So. You know, didn't quite factor in just how much smart our parents were. So with us asking for, you know, for toilet paper and <laughs> places and stuff and stashing it and loading it all up, we're going to wait till everybody goes to sleep, right? So we get out there, we identify the house, and we go out there and we're rolling trees and, man, it's a good time. And we're laughing about it on the way back up to the house and everything. Next, next thing we know, we wake up early in the morning, our parents did a run around the neighborhood and they saw that. And so obviously our mom, love her to death. She's one of the smartest women in the world. She figured, she put two and two together quickly and got four. We had to wake up early and not only did we get scolded for it, but we had to go and clean it <laughs> out of the yard. So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where we thought we were smart, but obviously our parents were way smarter. So uh, I, I can't, I, well, I will say this about Chris, man. Look, he is a part of the plan and so he is loyal. So if you want to have somebody to go into war with you, that's the one I'm taking with me because I know he's going to be down. He's going to be ready to roll. But uh, yeah. Literally. <laughs> literally ready to roll. Ready to roll. Literally. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I hadn't thought about that in a while. That was, I, I do remember that very well, though. And uh, we, we got caught big time. We thought we were slick, but not, no, not at all. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So it's time to finish up with the rapid fire closing round. All right. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Quick answers. First thing that comes to your mind. Okay, I'm ready. Right. Let's do it. Favorite football player of all time. Oh, Peyton Manning. Best venue for a sporting event can't be at Austin P. Neyland Stadium. Name an AD that you really admire, and it can't be anybody you've worked for. Oh my goodness, an AD that I really admire, but it can't be anybody I worked for. That's a great question. Uh, Crystal Conte at Texas is pretty funny. I mean, he, he keeps things going and he's really, really good dude. I've met, had an opportunity to meet him, but I have never, I would love to work for him. I think it'd be fun. All right. You've got one song playing on your ride to work right now. What is it? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's probably going to be, that's a great, Nelly, Air Force Ones. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic. Best place to eat in Clarksville, Tennessee. Wow. There is a barbecue spot here called Smooth's Barbecue. I mean, and it reminds me of just a, a hole in the wall type spot mm -hmm. to go to, but you just gonna have some really good food. Now, you know, the service is gonna be a little sketchy, but it's gonna be <laughs> really good food and you're gonna go you're gonna leave there full as a tick. So it's be Smooth's barbecue. I like it. Love it. You passed the test. You passed the rapid hey, fire let's round. Go. Like let's it. go. Flying colors. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this combo's got to be continued because we need more. So no doubt, no doubt. Well, as long as y'all have me, I'll be willing to jump on here at any time. <laughs> no doubt. It's been a lot of fun. No doubt. Thanks a bunch, Marcus. No problem. No problem. Thank you so much for listening to the Coach and Doc podcast. 
Uh, we know there are a lot of podcasts out there, so we're grateful that you chose ours. If you'd like to learn more about the work that we do, please visit our website. It is at coachingdoc.com. Thanks again.